Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Brian Tome, who's a pastor, author, entrepreneur, and podcaster. So stay tuned. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. If this is your first time, welcome aboard. It's so great to have you. If you're a longtime listener, thanks for your continued support. In this conversation today, I speak with Brian Tome. Brian is fresh off his latest release, Five Marks of a Man, which was published and released in September um, and is now available. I'm super excited for this conversation in particular because we dig into specific men's issues and uh, and things that are really pertinent for men. Obviously, this podcast is called The Guys Like Us, but this conversation in particular uh, focuses in on a bit more practical and uh, really dissects some characteristics um, of men uh, and and really what separates boys from men and, and, and how Brian addresses that through his book. In, in our conversation, we touch on a bit more of his childhood and his upbringing um, and some people who modeled manhood in his life. We go through a few different points of, of the separation between a boy and a man. And then we discuss a bit, a bit more about his ministry, Crossroads. He is the, the founding pastor of Crossroads in Cincinnati, a very large church um, that is continuously growing. And he shares some, some ministry tips and just what has been so uh, foundational and pivotal for his, uh, for his success at, with Crossroads. We discuss the Ocean Business Accelerator, which he helped advise and uh, and really helped to get off the ground, which is for entrepreneurs looking to make a kingdom impact. I'm super excited for this conversation today um, and know that uh, you'll definitely take a few, uh, if not multiple pieces of information away with you uh, by the end of the conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Brian Tome. Brian, thanks so much for thanks so much for joining me and the guys like us podcast today. My pleasure, Tyler. I'm glad to be one of the guys like you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm excited to have you on today. Um, and first off, congratulations on your your latest uh, latest book, Five Marks of Man. I, I know you also have another devotional coming up, um, so you're kind of in a you're in, in a very exciting period right now. Um, but congratulations on on the the latest one, Five Marks of Man, which is now released and is available for readers yeah it's been it's been a really fun journey you know for most of the last 24 years i just had my head down hitting the same nail with mm-hmm. trying to grow a church and reach people and develop people spiritually and have mm-hmm. kind of stepped out into some other areas in addition to doing that stepping into some other areas like as you mentioned doing a podcast and writing and starting some other things so it's been uh, yeah it's been a good stretching time for me i've had a lot of fun with it Awesome. Um, so, uh, as these are, you know, some of your first few books, and uh, you're now kind of in the swing of the writing. What was some of the the what was your main purpose behind releasing this book in particular, and why why was the time right now so fitting? 
Well, the story of how to become a man, what a man is, that's been a key theme in my life for the last couple of decades, mm. ever since I had my son. Mm. And I just started bumping into more and more guys who had major, major struggles. I mean, guys in our culture right now are incredibly hurting, hmm. much much more so than ever before. I'm not saying that guys are hurting more than women. I think it's still harder to be a woman in our culture than it is to be a man. But hmm. men are committing suicide at twice the rate. We have four times the incidence of mental illness. We have four times the incidence of uh, binge drinking and alcohol abuse situations. Um, we're facing things as men that no man has ever faced before anthropological history. We can talk about those if you want. So I, I just I, I just have a real heart for the average guy who's struggling. And by the way, you can be a millionaire and you're struggling. Hmm. You can have a lot of toys and be struggling. And there's just not a lot out there that's speaking the language of average normal men and trying to get them to a new place. And that's something I'm pretty pretty you know, interested and capable in. Hmm. Awesome. So you, you mentioned that you've been interested in this topic of manhood for the past few decades now, ever since uh, you had your son. What Can you bring us back to, to your childhood? And um, was there any, any moments or uh, any any figures in your life that really demonstrated the character of, of a man? And just kind of take us a bit through your, your childhood. Well, I was, I was born at a very early age. And um, that's supposed to be funny. Everyone's been born at a very early age. Of <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a delayed laughter. I was waiting. And I was adopted uh, shortly thereafter. So I'm adopted. Very thankful to my parents who adopted me. And I really, for most of my life, for all of my years up until I was, I don't know, maybe 22, 23, I, I wanted to prove that I was a man. I, I felt like I needed to have other people know that I was a man. The problem with that is whatever group that you're with that happens to be male, you do things that those people approve of in order to prove that you're a man. Mm. If they're drinking, then you're going to drink. Mm. If they are doing vandalism, you're going to do vandalism. If they are um, going after the mighty dollar, you're going to go after the mighty dollar. If they are geeking out on Call of Duty, you're going to geek out on Call of Duty. There's something that happens when we're called a man instead of trying to prove that we're a man. And our culture doesn't have any ways that we are called a man. We all try to prove we're a man. And, and boys are trying to convince other boys that they're actually a man when really they're just playing boys' games. Mm-hmm. What, was the, what was the greatest day in Jesus' life? What, I'll just ask you before I tell you what I think. What, what do you think Jesus' greatest day in his life was? Um stepping into uh, I'd say stepping into his calling and becoming I guess becoming a man and kind of that that ceremonial aspect of his life where he was stepping into just a new chapter um, and entering into uh, just a, just a new time of life yeah I mean some people would say well coming back from the dead that'd be the greatest day yeah, yeah. other people would say well uh uh, when you healed somebody, that was the greatest day. The yeah. first time you healed somebody. Yeah, but I'll tell you, all that stuff happened after he heard from his father, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. Now, the churchy world, the churchy world would tell us that his baptism was very significant because after his baptism is when the miracles and the teachings happened. That's true. 
I say it was less about the baptism and more from the blessing from his, his father, where mm -hmm. he got his identity. Mm -hmm. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was the magic, not the water, not the Jordan River, not John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. It was that thing. In fact, he gets that again at the, at the transfiguration. Right. That's the second time it comes through. And when a guy doesn't hear his dad or a father figure he respects, look him in the eyes, put his hand in the back of his neck and say, son, I'm proud of you. You're a man. Son, I'm proud of you. You've done well. When he hasn't heard that, no one has told him who he is. Hmm. The rest of his days, he's going to try to prove who he is. And unfortunately, that's oftentimes going to be a very immature, unformed or ill-formed version of himself. Hmm. Do, you, do you feel like a lot kind of bring this back to, to I think where our culture is right now that that we're that maybe we're failing or we're not recognizing uh, people's identities and uh, and that's maybe a, a, a problem of just of just kind of labeling what it what it you know defining what it means to be a man or what do you think is the biggest reason why we're Maybe we're stepping off this. Uh, a lot of the character qualities that are that uh, are really given to a man, uh, m more so today. You had mentioned some of these really alarming statistics uh, of and how these you know suicide has exacerbated over the over the years. Well, if you look at the with the marks, what are these marks that men have that boys don't? You can be a 15-year-old man and you can be a 45-year-old boy. Mm. By the way, these marks are faith agnostic. There are Christian men who are going to heaven who very clearly are a boy. Mm. And there are atheist men who are going to hell who are very clearly a man. So these marks, they're in throughout the scriptures. Every Bible hero has these marks. But the values that we're talking about here, these five things, are for the most part exactly opposite of what culture esteems. Exactly opposite. I mean, let me go through them and I'll... And I'll Please, yeah. Well, okay, let's, let's look at... These are in no particular order, by the way. Mm -hmm. These are just... There's five of them. So, you know, culture is really big on um, the Me Too movement, hashtag Me Too, as it should be, because there's been a percentage of men that's a, has abused women. Why, why have these guys gotten away with bloody murder, taking advantage of women, leading women on? Why, even in churches? You know why it is? It's because there's not people who are protecting those women. There's not people standing up against those guys. Boys are predators and men are protectors. Wow. So boys will take, 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 take. If they can have something from a woman, they'll take it. If they can get something from the government, they'll take it. If they can, if they can steal something from their parents, they'll take it. That was me. Mm -hmm. But a man protects. He protects mm -hmm. his family. He protects his church. He protects the people in his neighborhood. He financially protects them. He lays down his life for them. That's a huge thing. But our culture, we're not protecting each other. We're just hoping somebody else protects us. And hey, if you can get it, go for it. So that's on. Uh, another one is a man has a vision. A boy lives day to day. Men, there's something out there further that we're going for, that we're trying to do. And it's not, it's not get Facebook followers. That's not a vision. It's not get Instagram followers. That's not a vision. 
that, that that's not. There's a lot of people think that is that that's not a vision. Mm-hmm. That's just trying to beat somebody else and be more popular than somebody else. Yeah. And I hope like I hope I get a lot of Instagram followers. I hope I get a lot more out of this this podcast. There's nothing wrong with numbers going up, but that's not a vision. A vision is something that you don't have right now. That's going to take difficulty and time. Boys don't want to do that. Boys want to have a good time today. I took I took seven years to get through my undergrad of college. Seven years. Why? Because I didn't have a vision for school. It never sunk in my stupid thick head that if I had a good education, I have I would have more opportunities and more money. A vision could be you're going to stay married. A vision is I'm going to be the first person in my family who doesn't abuse alcohol or isn't an addict, or it could be I'm starting a business. It's something like that. But again, our culture, our culture is all for easy, quick hits, easy likes on our on our social media feeds. Path of least resistance. Vision is the path of most hmm. resistance. And only men will hang in there for it. Another one is a man's a team player and a boy wants to be MVP. The greatest team that any guy will ever be a part of is a marriage. Marriage rates are in free fall declining. Why? Because we've got a bunch of boys in our culture who don't want to tie themselves down to marriage. The greatest decision you'll make in your life is to get married because the day you get married, you can double your impact. Because two is greater than one. In fact, two is greater than two. When you have two people going the same direction, the team aspect is massive. Um, Jesus operated in a team with 12 guys. The Father operates in a team, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But yet our culture is so isolationist and loneliness is an mm-hmm. epidemic in our culture. Mm-hmm. We just don't have significant relational bonds. Uh, so therefore, we're by default being boys instead of being men. Another one, men work and boys play. I am tired of the conversation about how much you should save for retirement and when you're going to retire. The first job I had, they asked me when I was going to retire. Financial planner came to visit me and I said, um... And I just, I just mimic what I'd heard other people say. I said, uh, 55. He said, oh, okay, well then, well, you're going to have to have to save this amount of money and this, that. And I, and I looked at how much money I had to save and I said, oh, okay, I'm not going to retire at 55 then. Let me tell you, I just turned 54. I, it is shocking to me that when I was 22, someone didn't grab me by the throat and say, what are you talking about retired 55? You're just going to start figuring things out when you're 50. We retire for what? To go down to Florida and have the mosquitoes suck the blood out of my geriatric skin? For what? I, I mean, it makes no sense. What is this What is this fantasy of not working? You know who doesn't want to work? Boys. Men want to work. I was going to come in time in corporate America where you're going to be right-sized or downsized. That's okay because that's how you got your job because someone got right-sized ahead of you. But no guy, no, no man wants to be unproductive. Even if we're not getting a paycheck, we're going to find a, a way to add value to society, be a volunteer someplace. That's another one. Another one, I think it's the fifth one. Again, there's no order, so I go out of orders. If I only got four of them, then let me know, and I'll try to remember what the fifth one is. The fifth one is minority position. Men are, men are used to being in the minority, but a boy wants to be in the majority. Mm. Boys have to have groupthink. Boys have to have everybody approve of their decisions. Boys can never do what the majority doesn't think is right. That's why we're having such a massive cultural shift the last couple decades in our country about what is right and what is wrong because the majority is all changing their opinions on it and all the boys always want to be in the majority. You go down to down south and people are pulling down Confederate statues. Mm. 
uh, that's fine. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not pro-Confederate statute, but what, you know what I say? Those 18-year-olds are doing that. I say if you were around during 1850, you would have put that statue up. I say you're only one to tear down that statue because it's a cool statement. You know the majority is going to believe it. You know, you, you, you want to be a man. Why don't, why, don't you, why don't you pull something down that everybody thinks is okay? I know that as my life, I'm going to be in the minority. Boys are like pigeons. They flock together, they make a lot of noise, and they eat the scrabble on the, on the, on the sidewalks. And they poop all over and you leave, too. But men are like falcons or eagles. We, we hover above it all. And we eat better as well. And we also know we'll be in the minority. You get me talking about what the mm-hmm. sex operate like? I know I'll always be in the minority. You get me talking about how finances work? Now, no, you don't pay yourself first. No, that's what the world says. You don't pay yourself first. You pay God first. Mm-hmm. It's a very standard thing. Because that first 10% is his. It's not yours. You, you don't even give the tithe. You return the tithe. And um, I know when I talk about these things, I'm going to be the weird guy. I know I'll be in the minority. That's okay. I know I'm right. But I'm also going to be in the minority. Men, all of us men, are, we're, we're used to that. We, we're, we're used to voting for people who never win. <laughs> we're, we're used to that stuff. Um, uh, the, every hero in the Bible is a hero in the Bible because they were the minority. The, the majority, the masses were never the heroes. It was always the guy who was in the minority. Um, and that's the way it is with, mm-hmm. with, with us as men. So those five things are five tension points that continue to uh, push into the life of a male and are decision points where we we'll have to decide, do I want to be like everybody else or do I want to be a man? I think th- those are fantastic uh, five marks there. And um, I- I'm trying to think of where to start, um, but I, I want to leave, want to leave obviously some room for, for listeners to grab a copy of the book themselves. Is, is there one mark that you uh, maybe, I guess, found, found the most passion or most enjoyment writing or, or where, where do you think we're maybe lacking on the most? I, I know it's hard to, to pick one, but uh, if, if you could. I get asked that all the time, and it just would be flavor of the day because yeah, yeah, okay. I'm more passionate about this one, <laughs> passionate about that one. Actually, today I was having a lot of fun talking about minority position. Um, I, I think whatever, and I, and I could talk that or any of the other ones more, and I, and I will do yeah, that. Yeah. But I think the important thing that I tell guys is you need to pick one of these and get get the momentum going. Once you once you get one of these going. The dominoes will start to mm. fall and hit into the other ones. Mm. So you're you're gonna have to be okay. You could start with minority position, all the things I just talked about. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to be okay being in the minority, being again, these aren't just man qualities either. Women can have these qualities. Mary, when she anointed Jesus' feet with expensive nard and broke the bottle over his feet. The majority, who, by the way, were males, criticized her for that. But Jesus affirmed her. She mm-hmm. was in the minority. Um, mm-hmm. when, you, when, you, when you make peace with being in the minority, then you're going to make peace with doing the other difficult things and the rest of this. So that's a domino point. The vision mm-hmm. one, okay? Vision's a huge, 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 huge thing. Until you get okay that today's not going to be a good, oh, good day, then you're not going after a vision. Vision is all about living with bad days. Vision is all about doing today what I really 
didn't want to do today because I actually want to do something else today. But I'm playing for the long game. Once you once you bite that one off, then you're going to start falling into working. And once once you start with working, you're you're going to be able to see how you need other people to do your job. That the people who are the lone wolves who do it all on their own, the lone wolves are the weakest out there. We learn a lot from nature in this as well. When you look at the lone wolf, they are the smallest, weakest, and the earliest to die wolves. Yet in our culture, we think, oh, I'm I'm kind of a lone wolf. Oh, you mean you're small, weak, and going to die before me? (laughs) Because wolves need a pack Mm. in order to to bring prey down, in order to eat really, really, really well. So once you you swallow that one, then you're going to be around other guys who are going to model what vision is. If you're only by yourself, no one can model any other healthy characteristics for you. When you get into another team, you start seeing somebody who has vision. You start seeing somebody who is, who is a um, protector. I could amp on protector right now. This is, this is a big one. Think how, how crazy this is. Has anyone ever come to your door and knocked on your door and said, hey, uh, I want to I just take your golf clubs. Has anyone ever done that to you? Do, do you do golf? Uh, I don't golf uh, very frequently. And, and no, no one, no one has, has done that to date. Okay, so what, what's a hobby that you have? Uh, I'd say weight, weightlifting, playing soccer, you know, getting some form of exercise activity. Okay. So what if someone came out of your house and said, Hey, uh, your whole dumbbell collection, I'm going to, I'm going to take those over to my house. I'm just going to use my basement for a little bit. What, what would you say to somebody who said that? Uh, I wouldn't be happy. Uh, if right. they, if they you'd came say in. No, yeah. no, you're not going to just, I don't yeah. even know you. Yeah. What if somebody who you'd never met, some 16 year old came over and knocked on your door and said, Hey, uh. I'm gonna I'm gonna take your car for a ride. What would you say? Uh, no, no, that, that's not gonna work. No, no, it's not gonna happen. Yet, yet, sixteen-year-olds are coming over to our house and saying, "Hey, I'm here to take your daughter out tonight." We're going, "Oh, my daughter! Oh, great, my daughter! Fine, you can have my daughter. Can't have my weights. Can't have my golf clubs. Can't have my bowling ball. Can't definitely have can't my car. My daughter." Oh, my own flesh and blood. Wow. Who's got a mind? Who's got a spirit? Yeah, yeah, just just take her. I'm sure she's be fine with you. Like no one, no one is having hmm. the adequate conversation we should be having. The last time I had a conversation with this, the guy, guy came over to my house to take out my, uh, my at that point my sixteen year old daughter Mariah, hmm. and came over and said, uh, "Hey, um, I'm here to take Mariah out." And I said, "Hey Ben, good to see you. Um, you're actually not going to take Mariah out tonight. You're going to take me out tonight because I want to make sure everything is okay before hmm. you take out my daughter out." And he was like, he said, uh, "Okay, no." <laughs> I, I took him out. I had him drive because I wanted to see how he drove. I sat him down, and I, I needed to talk to him about assuring my my daughter her reputation was going to be protected. And I needed to have a conversation about what he was going to do sexually with her, what his sexual philosophy was. I tell you, for that, for that young man, that was a very uncomfortable conversation. I didn't necessarily enjoy it either. But I'll tell you what, no one's going to have their way with my daughter in the back seat without dad looking at him and saying, hey – I'm, I'm on watch here. Now, I, I know I know that just because I had that conversation with that guy and this, just because he was towing the line with me, I, I know what it's like to have hormones raging. I, I know that he's going to have temptation. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not oblivious enough to think that something isn't going to happen or, or at least he's not going to want something to happen, right? But for me as a dad to not protect is crazy. It's crazy. Men, men, very, very few people, men tithe. Very, very few. Tithing is an 
absolute minimum biblical mandate. And the only people who don't like to tithe are people who don't tithe. The only people who have arguments for why you shouldn't tithe are people who don't give 10%. Hey, how about having an argument why you shouldn't tithe and give 12%? <laughs> let, me, let me talk to someone like that, and then I'll, and I'll, I'll listen to them. One of the reasons why you tithe is you want to protect your church. You want to protect your church. You want to protect the kingdom of God. You, you want to have money, not so you can have it for a rainy day. Hey, brother, let me tell you, it's raining right now. It's raining right now. And when you can put your savings against somebody's pain, you're protecting them. I was in a men's group with some guys, and we were sitting at a uh, table, and our, our waitress missed serving us. She's, she had been there every morning at 6 o'clock, whatever time we met together, 6, 6.30, whatever it was. And she, uh, she didn't make that day. And then we asked about it the next week, and here she had come on financial hardship, and we asked her to talk about it. She was uncomfortable talking about it. We found out she was having a hard time feeding her son who was playing high school football and behind her bills, gas getting shut off and all that stuff. So and the six of us, we just carried her for a few months. We paid for all of her groceries. We paid for all of her utilities. We protected her. We got her back on her feet. That's, that's what men do. We do that kind of stuff, and, and people don't know about it because we're not trying to get awards for it. It's just what a man does is he protects. I've got a friend of mine who's quadriplegic and uh, became a quadriplegic in college. They asked me, like, how do I how do I protect? I can't even move. I said, dude, you know, you have more godly wisdom than just about mm -hmm. anybody. You can protect people with your wisdom, with your counsel, with your mind. So today I'm I'm pretty hot on the protector and predator mm -hmm. one, but um, all of them will do, all of them will get you started, and you could talk to me in any specific day, and I'd be mm. more cranked about one than the other. Mm. Awesome, awesome. Um, and, and yeah, I think it, sometimes we, we focus in on, on one too heavily, and we, we, we you know, we'll forget about the others. Um, but I, I think... We all have the, voice tendencies too, Ty. Right. All of us. So this is not like, you don't have to be perfect. <laughs> all of us have voice tendencies. All of us have an area too that we're weaker in. If not weakened, we're weaker in. But all of us know that every guy that we respect has these five things. Mm. Every father figure that has inspired us has these five things. Every Bible hero has these five things going for him. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what? I think that was a that was a great uh, that was a great uh, impression of of of, of uh, the uh, sixteen year old. I, I I probably sounded similar. Um, when I was that age, so I, I, I thought you did a great job there. I probably also would have been very scared um, if if I was uh, not actually meeting with um, with my girlfriend, but meeting with my girlfriend's dad uh, as you know at uh, one of those initial dates. But I know that it's uh, it, it's super important, and I encourage more more you know more fathers, more people to, to you know to to think about how they're preparing. Um, those that are going to come and, and, and kind of, you know, who are, who are paying attention to what those above them are doing uh, and, and really modeling your ministry. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you got to figure out what works for you. And the, the situation I talked about was my most recent and last situation. By the way, I think that guy, I know that guy is a man. My daughter has been with him for five years now. Mm -hmm. He's a good, honorable guy. But the first guys that I did, the, the earlier guys, I wasn't that articulate. I learned how to do it. I, the early guys, it was simply I, I took my shotgun and I just put it on the kitchen counter and just had it sitting there. 
Mm. So when he came in, he just saw it. And it was kind of humorous, but same thing. I was like, oh, man, I'm on point. I'm, I'm on point here. Mm. I, I've told these stories. That story with my daughter. And I've had women come up afterwards weeping, saying, I wish my dad would have done that for me. I wish my dad would have done that for wow. me. So any wow. guys listening, I'm telling you, your girls will be thankful for that interaction, mm. if not immediately, in the future. Mm. And if you do that, you'll be in the minority. <laughs> we will be in the, you're not going to sit around with a bunch of guys and say, tell me about how you protect yeah. your daughter by, by grilling the 16-year-old that came over. You're, you're not going to find guys who are having that conversation. You're just not. Because yeah. uh, it's, a, it's a minority position, but it's the right position to take. That's right. And, you know, it, it takes a, it takes a step, takes a leap of faith. Um, I want to shift now to uh, to a bit more on business. Um, and a, a lot of folks that are listening uh, are either entrepreneurs or are involved in, in leadership within their church or uh, in business in general. Um, and so I, I think it would be fitting to discuss um, thinking about thinking about vision um, and Kind of thinking about how this ties into uh, to, to business as well. Um, so I, I know that you're uh, you're founder of the Ocean Business Accelerator. Um, I, I guess before we hop into the the specifics, can you just explain a little bit more about what this is for folks who may not be familiar? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was the founder. What I would say was uh, I was discipling uh, a small group of, a small group of people who had that as a dream mm. and I supported their dream and, and mm. I've gotten more and more involved with it. So mm. okay. yeah, the idea behind it was yeah, it, new job growth in America is in new businesses. It's not in big co it's big companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, big companies get new people, but they retire people. It, it's, it's a net neutral for all of established companies. New job growth is entirely new businesses. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an economic reason why we need to be engaged in the business world. And I think that there are biblical reasons why we need to be engaged in the business world. If I hear one more time that Jesus was homeless, I'm going to lose my lunch. Where do we get this idea that Jesus was low, homeless? He, he, he didn't have a home where he put his head for three years. But before that time, mm. that guy was very successful financially. That guy attracted very successful financial people into his ministry, his inner core. He's got guys who are sons of shipping magnets. Mm -hmm. He's got Matthew, who's a tax collector, who's making scads of money. Jesus is able to interact with Joseph of Arimathea, who's so wealthy. Not only does he have, an, have a tomb to give him, but he also uh, knows Pontius Pilate well enough to intercede on his behalf. Jesus has connections mm -hmm. at the senior most levels of culture and those are levels that have money and make money and in the church mm -hmm. we're just we become afraid of money we become afraid of business we become afraid of actually winning in business and mm -hmm. i think that's part of why we're having such a struggle discipleship is about allowing and enabling somebody to have a successful life and that includes a successful financial life which includes having a successful business mm -hmm. or a successful business career and so I see that really clearly, and I'm excited about it. And I could I could just rattle off yep. again and again and again all kind of examples throughout the Bible that we're not really focused on. The church has been too focused on downstream problems. Poverty is a downstream problem. 
I'm concerned about it. I put a portion of my money towards it. Crossroads puts a lot of energy towards it. But in addition to downstream problems, we got to get mm. upstream. We got to get upstream. We got to get people successful in business. People starting businesses. We got to help. We got to be involved in that game versus just the changing the diapers game. Can you can you explain kind of for for people who are uh, who may be interested in, in in you know taking that next step in their in their in their business and and, and looking to orient uh, themselves toward a more biblical vision? Um, just, just how how would you how do you go about this for you know say say there's first time people that are that are speaking to you and and they're they're interested in and in, uh, starting up a business or are want to uh, make sure that they're incorporating uh, their faith into their business? Like, how, how should they think about it? Okay, well, you mentioned biblical vision. Let me just take the word biblical out for a moment. Let's just say vision. So if you're starting your business, hmm. what is it that's going to make your business different from somebody else's? What is the vision for the business? Is What's your vision for how you're looking to treat employees? What's your vision for how you want your business to grow. Actually, do you want it to grow? I mean, some people mm. feel it's even dirty to, to want your business to grow. How do you want it to grow? Mm. Like, I want Crossroads to grow. I don't, that's, that's the church I lead. Right. I don't want Crossroads to grow by robbing other churches. People from other churches have come here. But I'm not, I'm not interested in jacking up my Instagram followership by Christians around the com- country who, who, who like to follow hip pastors. That, that's not my vision. You, for your business, you guys, what, what is my vision for now? That happens to be a very biblical thing. But you got to say, what, what sets my business apart? What do I want out of it? What, what, what is it supposed to do? What's its purpose in the world? What's its purpose in the kingdom of God? That's, I think, where, where it starts with us as a mm. business or an organization that we're doing. Mm. Fantastic. Um, and, and just just a few more things before we, we wrap up this podcast. Um, you've mentioned that there's a few big choices that have um, that have shaped your your personal character. Can you talk about uh, a few big choices that have shaped uh, Crossroads um, and that, that have really propelled and formed this ministry? Uh, I think team is the biggest one, Ty. Mm. Team. Um, you know, there's, you know, there's very few churches that are larger than Crossroads. I can count them on one hand. And yet Mm. people across the country have never heard of me. And that's by design. That's great. And for the longest time, you couldn't, couldn't even find out who the senior pastor was on the website. I get all that because it was about team. Mm. I I didn't, I don't want any glory or notoriety for myself. Mm. Um, wanted other people on stage, didn't want to build a quote-unquote personal brand for a long, long time. Um, our board, the way we operate, is it has to be unanimous decision because it's team. Because um, I'm a team guy. So if one person is out of alignment, then someone on the team is out of alignment. Maybe they're hearing from God. So it has to be unanimous. Um, the people I have in my life and the things I open to, I'm a team guy. I don't... I don't make a big decision without team. I'm considering getting a pool in my house. Like that's a big financial decision. And that's something that multiple people in my life, I'm sharing my finances with them and I'm saying, do you think I should do this? The team deal. 
Uh, I, I can go on and on and on, but the, the team thing for me has been really important from day one, and uh, and it's and it's still important to me. It's a it's a such a personal value. It's it's how Jesus lived his life, and um, it's how the heroes that I want to emulate how how they how they did it. So I'm trying to follow in their footsteps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and just to wrap up, just a final piece uh, of encouragement, uh, advice um, for listeners who have who have made it through the, the podcast and um, are, are excited to, 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 to go out, whether they're, you know, tuning into this podcast on the road at home and are, are looking to make a difference in their community. Hey, wherever you are, just keep going, man. You're going to be yeah. fine. You're going to be fine. No matter how many shots you've taken, no matter how many failures you've had, no matter how much you feel like you're not measuring up to this template that we just put before you today. The most important is where you are today and going to a new place tomorrow. Do not beat yourself up over the past. Stop mm-hmm. looking in the rear view mirror. The rear view mirror is very, very small. The windshield is very, very large. The windshield goes forward. That's where you're going. You're not supposed to be going backwards. Stop looking in the rear view mirror and, and, and regretting past decisions and Stop trying to steer your life by keeping too much of your eye time on the rearview mirror. Look forward. You learn from those things. Shake it off. Take these five marks. And a good life is waiting for you. It's a life of meaning. It's a life of impact. It's a life of significance. It's a life of uh, rigorous engagement. And I think in the end, it could be a life of, uh, of you being a winner. Such a great word. Um, thank you for, for your time today, Brian. Uh, it's been a real pleasure and blessing, and I'm sure uh, folks who have listened uh, enjoyed this this as well. Where where can we find you? I know you um, you lead some men's men's camps as well. Where can where can people tune into the to all that you're doing? Uh, you can go to BrianTome.com. At BrianTome.com, you'll be able to uh, see things I've written. Man Camp, we've taken 15,000 people through Man Camp. You can maybe check that out, some other books that I've written. Um, find everything you need at BrianTome.com, Ty. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. My pleasure. Thanks for having me today, brother.